Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. This is the latest in our weekly update series, and I'm joined by co-hosts Tom Meehan and Tony D'Ofrio and our producers Diego Rodriguez and Wilson Gamarino. And we're going to talk a little bit about crime and loss, but also opportunities, um, threats, and warnings, and a little bit of discussion um, with an absolute expert. And today, what I'd like to do is just very briefly touch on the fact that we continue to have a slew of VIP visitors in here um, in our labs to work with us, to brainstorm, uh, to help us create the content and flow for the impact conference for their own strategic planning. And this week, we've got uh, the leadership from Polo Ralph Lauren. Uh, very excited to have them in the labs. Uh, yesterday, we had leaders from uh, different at ho- from at home, from TJX, from public supermarkets, from Bloomingdale's, uh, from from also from the Tops Market. Uh, we'll call them Northeastern grocers, um, and uh, going through what we can and should do for impact. Uh, with our, you know, as well as our research strategy and how they might use it. So uh, it continues. Many, many more retailers coming through, um, and our team is continuing to move around. We've got Diego himself going out to the Axis uh, Annual Leadership Conference hosted this year by Google. Um, we're excited to interact with that stellar group of retailers and solution partners and uh, continue some strategic talks on uh, mutual support so that we can do the good work and reduce crime and loss. So we're also uh, excited we got to yesterday, additionally participate in a few different things. One was back out to the Santa Fe College, the, this uh, in this case, North Central Florida's Public Safety Institute, where a crew of our advisors for impact and some of our LPRC team went through some training with uh, high-speed um, types of uh, VR and uh, pro- wall projections with digital firearms and other weapons to understand escalation, de-escalation, what's driving this, how to handle it, and get the, the law enforcement officer's perspective uh, in that case. We also had a, a meeting and tour with the University of Florida Police Department, their brand new complex. Uh, now their dispatch and real-time crime center is up and running. We looked at some of their spaces for future meetings for Strategy Ad and other LPRC initiatives for our members, um, in addition to the Public Safety Institute. So two close by amazing places uh, to work with LPRC in addition to our six labs, um, indoor and outdoor as well. So um, what we're also doing, uh, we went to a demonstration as well at the Swamp, the UF football complex, where we, with Serverly, and uh, I think it was representatives from seven local law enforcement agencies went through some tech demonstra- demonstrations with tethered drones, um, different uh, types of night scope cameras from tiny ones to a little bit larger um, to understand what ca- what technologies are capable of doing and how to work with them. And, and uh, I guess in some cases, some of these agencies will be acquiring them. We also were involved this week in a Reduce the gun violence, Gainesville initiative uh, headed by Gainesville's Mayor Harvey Ward. Um, And that's where you saw an entire ballroom filled with uh, all the local law enforcement agencies, uh, uh, fire rescue uh, executives, 
um, and then different groups that help work with uh, people that are in trouble, victims, uh, work with offenders. Um, there was just a, a nice large mix. There were legislators of the different strata and so on, working through a strategy uh, for reducing gun violence. Um, and so LPRC, uh, we got our say in the University of Florida Safer Places Lab that I lead uh, in some thoughts that we had, how we might support with uh, all types of interactive mapping provided by ESRI, the ESRI team. And um, so now as a result of this, we're going to have some more Alachua uh, County Sheriff's Office officials come and do a home at home. We're going to have the University of Florida Athletic Association's uh, director of security the same. Um, we'll have the mayor and some of the top uh, city executives uh, come in. Uh, we've already had at least one city commissioner come through. So we want to, we're proud and are excited to support local as well as national initiatives. And the LPRC Eastside Initiative, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast and elsewhere, will play a pivotal role in the fact that um, a university and the LPRC, which is actually international, are conducting so much of the groundwork type uh, research and development here in Gainesville, of course, can accrue to the benefit of the local citizens uh, in helping create a safer community. So a lot happening. Uh, uh, again, I mentioned everybody aiming toward the October 2nd through 4th LPRC Impact 2023 version. Um, we went through an amazing array of anti-theft, fraud, and violence content from our growing research team. Uh, we're adding another member to the team. Uh, believe it or not, we continue to grow. Uh, a young man, Caleb, who is getting his just finishing his PhD in computer engineering and sciences. So uh, we're excited to add that skill set uh, to uh, Sam and his cognitive psychology expertise as a PhD, uh, in addition to our criminology uh, experts here uh, and geography experts. So uh, you can see LPRC, we're trying to grow the team, do it very purposely, very methodically with the right people to have the right capabilities the right character and the right compatibility to work on a high-speed team and create that positive, friendly, even fun environment while we're really working hard together um, to help make people in places a lot safer. So with no further ado, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Tony D'Onofrio. Tony, if you would, take it away. Thank you very much, Reed, for all those great updates. We are, I have the great pleasure today of having a, a guest, and uh, it is a special guest. It's an individual that I've known for a long time. He's a, really a leader in this industry, and it's a pleasure to have him here. So it's my pleasure to welcome Tom Arigi. Tom, welcome. Thank you, Tony. It's great to, great to see you and great to be here. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you came into asset protection. I just give a little, the, the listeners a little bit of that in terms of background. Yeah, look, um... That's that's kind of a loaded uh, question. Uh, as long as I've been uh, been around these days, that used to be a pretty easy and short question. But uh, I'll, I'll give you a high level overview, um, Tony. But uh, what really drew me to the profession was an early interest uh, in law enforcement. And while I was living in Chicago suburbs, I thought um, probably would be good to get some practical experience uh, while I was testing at police departments and, and going to school and. And uh, there was a, a suburb um, and a mall out in Oak Brook, Illinois, and it had all the major anchors, Marshall Field at the time, Saxon Avenue, and there was a Sears there as well. So I made the, the circuit around the anchors just applying for 
Tony, what was back then the security department, uh, known today either as loss prevention or asset protection, and uh, ended up uh, working for Sears. And I remember the first time I walked into that security office, Sensormatic was um, putting in their latest, greatest CCTV system. This must have been 100 monitors, 9-inch monitors stacked on top of each other uh, with a joystick. And I was just amazed. I had no idea that in a store like that, there was these surveillance capabilities. And that more, and, and even more naive on my part, that people would, would steal from uh from the store. So I was instantly hooked when I saw that technology and saw uh, what was going on. Um, and really, I spent um, 28 years at Sears. Um, it, it was a great organization. I worked with great individuals that taught me an awful lot. I started out part-time catching shoplifters, moved to my own store as a security manager. And then it was, you know, every couple of years, I was getting a tap on the shoulder to go do something different. Um, and the diversity of things that Sears offered uh, I got into operations for a while. I was uh, a store manager. I was a district operations manager. I uh, got back into asset protection. And when I left, to make a, a really long story short, um, I was the DVP of Kmart uh, after Sears and Kmart merged. And candidly, uh, truth be known, I was a little bit worried about the viability of the business. And I got a great opportunity to move out to L.A. and work for a company called National Stores, where I was their DVP of uh, loss prevention. Um, then I got an opportunity to move over to Walmart. I spent about five years at Walmart, great organization, great AP organization there, learned a ton about an amazing business model, um, and worked for, uh, Mike Lamb there. And when Mike went over to Kroger shortly after he got there, he and I started talking about an opportunity at Kroger. I moved over to Kroger, um, spent about. I don't know, maybe three and a half years off the top of my head over at Kroger. Uh, and then I had uh, this great opportunity to move over to America, to American Freight. And I've been over at American Freight for about 18 years. I mean, I'm sorry, 18 months. Uh, <laughs> 18. A, little, a little Freudian slip. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. about 18 months. And so, but it's been a, a great opportunity, um, having a lot of fun here and uh, probably a long winded answer, Tony, no, to, no, uh, that, what was, which actually, should be an easy answer. No, that's an excellent uh, overview, and, and and really, it's uh, it really speaks to the leadership uh, that you, the leadership roles that you've taken, and you crossed quite a few milestones. What what drives you as a leader? What motivates you as a leader? Well, you know, Tony, that's a that's an interesting question because, you know, as as I think about that, I think I was motivated by different things at different parts of my career. And look, when I walked into that Oprah store. My motivation was to be the one that caught the most shoplifters and had the best cases. Um, and then I had a ball doing that. And then as I gained responsibility and especially had responsibility for team members that worked with me, I think my motivation changed, right? Which is there was always that competitiveness about getting results. But, but I also learned along the way that if you don't have the right team with you, focused on the right on the right things, you won't get those results and you won't get those different career opportunities as well. And so hopefully along the way, the motivation around people and making sure you understand what, you know, their uh, career goals are, helping them get there. Um, that's the biggest motivation for me uh, at this point, which is how do you build a team centered around the things that are important that the organization expects you to get done? And while you're doing that, 
allow for people to grow because everybody defines a diff, uh, success differently, I think, Tony. And so understanding how individuals on your team uh, define success and then helping them achieve that success. And especially as, you know, as I get older, that piece has become more and more motivating for me. I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about people and staying sharp and, and, and providing developmental opportunities and, and learnings so that, again, as people uh, define their success, hopefully, like, it'd be nirvana for me, Tony, if one day somebody looked back and said, you know, I got to work with Tom for a while and I learned a lot from him or that made a difference. If, if I could achieve that now, I think that would be that would be perfect for me. That's an excellent answer. And, and I, I've seen it in you. I, I've had the pleasure, as you know, to spend a lot of time with you in different formats and I've seen it in you in terms of your leadership style and what you're able to do and how you're able to motivate people in your career. Has there been any mentors that have stood out and what lessons did you take from them uh, in terms of when you met them and what they taught you? Yeah, it's interesting that um, I've had the I'm very, very lucky over my uh, entire career to either work for, and I know that's not technically a, a definition of mentor, but work for great leaders and or have people take interest in me from and, and able to mentor me um, critically important. And so what I've learned from the managers I've worked for, um, you know, in some cases you learn what to do and what you want to emulate. And in some cases you learn what not to do too. Right. Um, and I, so I think it's always important to kind of um, be on the lookout for both things. Um, Things you want to model and things that you're like, mm, that one, that one doesn't res that that style doesn't uh, resonate so much for me. Uh, but look, early on in my career, that first manager, um, Jerry Vanderplaat was his name, and that first manager I worked for, he instilled a lot of confidence in me because he, you know, like if it was if he was taking a vacation, he'd say, Hey Tom, you know, you're running the department for me. And as interesting as this sounds, I don't know, I was probably 21 maybe 20 when I started there. But at one point he was, he took a vacation. He said, Tom, go to the staff meeting for me and, uh, and update the team on what we're working. And that was a big deal at, at 20 and 21 years old and go to a staff meeting. Now today we go to meetings and we're all rolling our eyes, but you know, I'm, I'm always interested in that new leader that's that maybe new to coming to a meeting and how excited they are to be there. And you, you, it's important to keep that momentum and that excitement alive uh, in those new leaders. Sometimes we take that for granted, but I don't even be hard for me because I've got so many uh, individuals that I work for um, that taught me a lot. Um, Jim Lee uh, was a good, a great mentor of mine. When I went out to uh, national stores, he, um, he, uh, he offered to come out, take a look at what I was working on and give me some feedback. I, 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 I look back at that and I value that. Actually, you, Tony, when you came out to Walmart and you, you and I got a chance to kind of walk some of the technology we're deploying, getting your getting your feedback. So you never know where you're going to get, where you're going to find a mentor. You never know where you're going to pick up a great uh, tidbit on leadership. And and I think the key is you'll you'll find great um, inspiration anywhere. Like sometimes it's somebody you know completely outside of the AP arena um, that you might not even think has any experience that might be able to help you. And, and they provide such insight um, and just, just being attuned to picking that, the, that, that insight up and being able to leverage it really, really important. 
No, that again, that's an excellent answer. And from my perspective, it's exactly that. I actually worked for nine years in a supermarket uh, in high school and in uh, college. And when they started telling me, yeah, you can run that department, you can run that department, just a sense that they trusted me and that responsibility really motivates you to do a lot more. But let me, this is this is actually an all loss prevention research council. So let's talk a little bit about technology and where do you see technology today? What's technology doing? Are we there yet in terms of loss prevention? What's your thinking on technology these days? Yeah, look, I'm I'm a I'm a bit of a technology buff and and not that how you know, I'm I'm not the engineer that figures out how to the, how to make it work, but I'm I'm amazed at when when you look to solution providers and say, here's my problem. Do you think you can help me? Um, there are some that do a really, really good job of that, and there's some that will kind of brush that off and say, eh, no, we don't really do that. And to me, the, the, those solution providers that have an open to listen and then have a desire to go, go and crack the code, so to speak, um, they're game changers. And so technology, in my mind, takes uh, is is a huge priority within retail overall. And, and really where I learned a lot about how important technology and the role technology plays in retail and in, in asset protection is when I was at Walmart and we reported to an individual, Mark Ibbotson. And what I loved about Mark's leadership style was he basically would say, if you're not searching out technology, if you're not bringing new ideas and new thought processes about how technology can help us, then you're probably not doing your job. And it, that was inspiring. I mean, he had an open to listen and not everything you brought to bear was uh, adopted, but um, that open to listen opened up a lot of doors to different thought process. And so I think it's absolutely critical in, in the retail arena alone. We, one thing we don't, we know for sure is store payroll is hard to come by. And so technology can play a role. And you saw that at Walmart where they were trying to figure yeah. out they're trying to figure out how, how you get rid of those mundane tasks and free up payroll to help customers. Um, I think it's critically important. And then in the AP world as well, Tony, you know, technology is moving at a such, such a fast pace. If you're not either trying to innovate with those solution providers or seek out what's available, you're probably missing the boat. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we are moving at a speed, but I do think right now with all the issues that, the retail industry is uh, facing, we do need to do a lot more. Any technology stand out to you more than others today? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's a couple of them that come to mind. I, th I think the biggest game changer we're seeing right now is what the industry started calling facial recognition. Um, that scares a lot of people. And there's a lot of mis misunderstanding about that technology. Um, but being able to face match a person, that you've identified um, as a bad person, robbed a service desk or an ORC hit or those, those types of things. Um, even some of the stories I'm, I'm reading about around face matching, where you catch a bad guy who's shoplifting, but then again, he's in his car was some child that um, was abducted. And there's human traffic. I mean, there's all these connections that uh, really inspire me to say, man, that technology, uh, is just it's just coming to bear now and it matches so well with some of the concerns from a safety standpoint and how you thwart some of uh, some of these bad actors 
that one stands out to me um, for sure. There's a there's a company out there I met with a while back that um, they they were talking to me about cloud um, video retention, and but that, this is one of these solution providers that had opened a list, and I said, look at and I was at Walmart at the time, and I said, look, I don't know that we're really interested in that. I said, but man, if you could help, if you could get a camera to detect a spill on the floor, and then have that camera alert, and then keep alerting until it's cleaned up. I said, now that's a game changer. And that technology is starting to come to bear now. Um, and I think that's a game changer because look at whether it's life safety because of a bad guy, or I think about both of my parents are in their 90s. If they're in a store and they slip and fall on water, that's, that's a, a, a game changer for them. So uh, protecting your customers and associates from those type of hazards is just as important as um, you know some of the, the more um, prevalent uses of technology around. Uh, face matching. And then I'm hopeful, um, Tony, that RFID becomes more than what and it's been a long journey. And a lot of people have, uh, I, I, I think about Macy's, how they've been able to leverage that technology and, and really make it work. Um, I'm hopeful. I, I think there's even in my space today, I think there's room uh, and there's a, an application that uh, RF te RFID technology can help with us um, on, uh, on our what we call out of carton appliances uh, or scratch and dent, maybe a lot of folks uh, uh, refer to it more as. Um, but I, I even think hopefully that technology is starting to come into its own and not be so cost prohibitive that people can't uh, deploy it. Those are the top three, I think, that come to mind. No, and you picked excellent top three. Those are excellent top three. And I agree with you in terms of the capability. But as you know, the Loss Prevention Council, uh, you've been extremely active with it. What are your thoughts on the Loss Prevention Research Council before I ask you my final question? In general, what do you think about the Loss Prevention Research Council and what they're doing? Look, I, I'm very fortunate because um, during my time at Sears, Bill Titus had a very active role with Reed um, and, and the connection with the Loss Prevention Research Council. And so for a long time, I've been a big supporter of and seen it play out. Uh, and leverage the Loss Prevention Research Council um, in in this kind of evidence-based research, right? And so there's a lot of times where as the, as the subject matter expert in an organization, certainly the senior leadership team would expect that you know what you're talking about. But it is always nice, Tony, to have in your hip pocket, and oh, by the way, it's not just what I think. Here's a white paper from the Loss Prevention Research Council and their findings based on this technology or this, this uh, deterrent uh, uh, application. And, here, and, and, and it just puts an extra layer of, okay, let's do it, let's move forward. Um, I think that's critically important. Some of the things they're doing in Innovate, um, like look, I've, I've, I've had to step away for a little bit. I'm, I'm excited about getting back engaged uh, with the Loss Prevention Research Council in my new role at American Freight, but some of the things that were going on in Innovate, I think are fantastic. Um, you know, when you get a lot of smart people together, both those that are part of the Loss Prevention Research Council and those that are, are working in the industry, working in retail stores every day, and then those that are solution providers that have an interest in really, really helping, that's a, that's a, a, a game changer. That's a force multiplier. Those three elements coming together I've seen it over and over again, and like I said, we've uh, we've just reengaged with the loss. I've just reengaged with the loss prevention research council in my new role, and I can't wait to get uh, you know 
back back. I, I, I told Reed it feels good to be back in the family again after a short hiatus. Well, that's an excellent way to end uh, this uh, version of the podcast. Really great input from you, Tom. Really appreciate all your thoughts. You are a true leader in this industry. It's really a pleasure to work with you across so many different spectrums and to follow your career and to choose your career. So thank you very much, uh, Tom, for joining us. Tony, thank you so much. It was good catching up. All right. Thanks so much, Tom and Tony. Thanks so much, Diego and Wilson. Uh, A whole lot of content, uh, a lot of actionable items here today. And uh, I want to thank each and every one of you out there that are listening. Please pass it on. As you hear on other podcasts, like us, recommend us, rate us, but let us know what we can do to create better content, a better better process for you to take to work. So stay safe, stay in touch. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council. 